Welcome to another Monday of No One Gets Away With Anything. Today with you we are Jose Rafael Ochoaneri and Ariana Lopez. Very nice. Amazing. Today we have a topic that we as Latin Americans, uh, we love. <laughs> well, it, it, more than we love it. I think it's just part of our identity. Es intrínseco. Sí, es eh, algo... Ingrained. Sin, yeah, decir sine qua non, no sé por qué, como que... I that, don't think that's a word for that. that. that me neither, but... Fair enough. Yeah. It's called uh, traditions, the values and shortcomings that make us. Yeah. More or yeah. less. For context, basically, Latin Americans find family to be, if not the core, a very important part of their life. So before we keep going, quick disclaimer, we are not experts in Latin America other than by experience. We are not professionals of any kind. And everything <laughs> that we say here is just... Two friends talking, so uh, take everything we say with a grain of salt. But yes, we, as Latin Americans, I think in general, are, we have a very strong sense of family. Mm -hmm. uh, we are the second most hierarchical society in the world, actually, after the Asians. Uh, like, the Asian cultures in general are hierarchical. The Latin Americans are also very, very hierarchical. Yeah. Um, and that has a lot to do with family, traditions, etc., And basically what Jose and I want to talk about today is how family shapes us and somehow both pushes us and limits us in different ways. Yeah, uh, and it's very weird because what we decided to do was talk about different... Because every time we're t we try to talk about this, we we saw a lot of contradictions. It was like, but your family teaches you love. And it was like, yeah, but your family also like cripples you emotionally sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so how do we reconcile this? And so... Yeah, we, we came found, up with a system. We found some different ideas that we you understand throughout the episode. Okay, so the first one that we figured out was love. Like, your family is, you know, there are the people who show you an example of love. Am I right? Exactly. And I think both and I, both Jose and I, have let... Have made <laughs> both Kenai and I? <laughs> Brother Bear, I'm Kenai. That would be such an honor. <laughs> both Jose and I have made it clear throughout our episodes that our families are a very important part of our lives and our family members are key people which we admire hate and love very profoundly yeah so uh there's nobody who can annoy me faster than my brother and my sister but there's nobody that i love in the world other than my my brother and my sisters so like mm -hmm. yeah definitely so yeah And the contrast of love, on the other hand, is... Yeah, so confrontation. Mm -hmm. And I think, look, I'm, I'm going to go into this uh, from this perspective. My mom and dad were a fairy tale marriage. Okay. You know, they were the, the typical, like, oh my God, they're so perfect together. Really? Yeah, my, I always used to joke, my dad's a plastic surgeon and my mom's a fashion designer. So my dad operates them, my mom closes them, you know? It's like, <laughs> it was always a perfect pairing. And in many ways, they are very complimentary people. But um, I think one of the biggest things that my parents ever taught me was that my parents got divorced when I was around 11. Mm -hmm. And they both taught me that when things have to end and you've tried everything you can to make them live, it's okay to let them end. Okay. Do yeah? I don't know if this is a correct question, but do you think there's something like of their personalities or their dynamics that you believe made them somehow incompatible at some point oh, oh definitely but i think that that's just but do you know what is it i'm not well look the 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 private parts of their relationships of how or not it has a lot to do with the way that they live their lives and i think that during the episode we'll probably explore more of that and i think that because and it's weird to talk about your family like this but it's i'm not i'm talking about 
me mm-hmm. in a way. So you have to talk about your parents to talk about yourself. That's why the first thing they tell you when you go to the psychologist is like, hmm, how are your parents? Like, the, what's a relationship with them? I feel, I feel like, and my parents always told me this, they were like, your... Um, uh, my dad, when, actually, my dad told me this a lot when he got divorced. He would always tell me, look, your mom's going to live the way she lives and I'm going to live the way I live. It's not that I'm against the way your mom lives and it's not that she's against the way I live. It's that we have different ways of living. Mm-hmm. And look, maybe you decide that you like the way I live. Maybe you decide that you like the way your mom lives. Maybe you decide that you like none of them or both. And you find your own way at some point, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, definitely not only finding out how you want to live as a person in terms of love and confrontation, um, but how you want to live with another person and have that discussion as well is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. What about you? What, 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 in your life, the love dichotomy, the love confrontation dichotomy, how, how does it work in your life? Um, I think love for me plays a very important role. Like, I did for one of my classes, like a strengths test and love was my biggest strengths. Like, and after love came like, um, honesty, whatever, you know, but like, I didn't even know love could be a strength. Yeah, of course it is. And I definitely believe that that's something that comes from my family. My mom and my dad were both always people who made sure that they let me and my sister know how much they loved us and how proud they were of us. And, and like, how i am now before i wouldn't really enjoy like hugs and stuff like that i would really um avoid it yeah yeah. Know? a lot but it depended on the people but overall like especially with my dad it's something that's always been there and a confrontation really my family is very pacific in that sense like in my house it was forbidden to speak loud it was forbidden to insult another person it was forbidden to like you know raise your voice when you fought Come on! Every time my sister and I, when we were kids, we used to have some sort of fight because of something. My dad would always come and he would be like, stop. And he would mediate the fight. He's like, what's your version of the story? Look at me in the eyes when you tell me about it. What's your version of the story? And the only confrontational like cue I had in my house was when I heard my second name. When they called me Ariana Carolina, I was like, shit, I'm fucked. This shit cannot go right. <laughs> yeah, isn't that all that American cliche? Jose Rafael? Uh-huh. Literal, como your second name is there for you to be called out. Yeah. Otherwise, it's useless. Yeah, when it's literally, when I have a cat now, and we, we, my girlfriend's last name is Stephanie, and my last name is Rafael. Your and second so, name, not your last. Sorry, name. my 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 second name. And so, whenever the cat, like if if the cat does something wrong, I call her, you know, Moca Estefania. And whenever the cat does something wrong with her, she calls it Moca Rafaela. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really funny, but it's true. It's like, it's useful mm-hmm. <laughs> to have it there. It's like, you don't want to use the last name because it's like way too formal. But only your family uses your second name. And most people who don't know fuck it. fuck exactly? Who else is going to know your second name? Your very close friends and your family. Yeah. And even your friends, like when your close friends even call you out with your uh-huh, last whatever, your that's name. Really, so it has to be something like... No, but they do it. Like, Jose Rafael. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like... Yeah. So really confrontation in my, for me, has always been something very diplomatic. And that's why I have so much trouble with confrontation nowadays. Uh, that's the thing, my family. And it's really funny because my girlfriend didn't have any brothers. She like she grew up mm-hmm. uh, an only As a child. single child. Yeah, and, and like an only child with uh, with around very old people, you know, older mm-hmm. people. I mean, adults in, in general. And one of the things is she doesn't know how to how to fight. 
like a tickle fight. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, not, it's not even like computable in her head. She yeah. has to like, and for me, it's super instinctual. Like, and you can see it with a cat. Like I play with a cat mm-hmm. and I, like I push it and it falls to the ground and then it gets up and she, she's looking for me to push her again so that we can play <laughs> a little. And I feel like my brothers, uh, since we were three in the beginning, now four, um, you know, it was, it was, you know, fight for attention. You were three brothers, two parents. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have all the attention. I was the most diplomatic one of my brothers in that sense because I, the, my little brother got a lot of the attention. My big sister got a lot of the attention. I was the middle child. I, I was <laughs> The cliche. Yeah, the cliche. But I, I liked my, my, my position. But one thing that we did do a lot was roughhouse. You know, and I would roughhouse with my dad and he would and we would have. And, and as we got older, especially. And I've talked about this before. What is roughhouse? Uh, roughhousing rough play so especially like children with their parents especially with like their dad you kind of fight with your dad okay it's not real fighting well you punch your dad and he throws you in the bed and you're like ah and then you it's really fun no i used to do that with my dad too which is i didn't know how to name yeah yeah it's called rough (laughs) it's rough housing and it's it's really and you see it at camp you do it a lot at camp you know there's kids that literally need it like mm-hmm. it's part of their coping mechanism to deal with the stress of life like they need to like play with someone and like kind of fight and it, you see that like a, a, like single child like what do you call it uh, only uh, child like only childs don't know how, how to, to do, that. do it oh, that's very interesting and then one of the things is that when we got older and my mom got cancer after the cancer, we were like, what, 16, 17? We were adults. Mm-hmm. Like, I, we could have difficult conversations. And so we weren't, like, we wouldn't shut up. We would have difficult, like, we would make my mom think. And she would be like, damn. Yeah. These kids are 17 and they're saying things. And it's, like, probably contributed to my podcasting future. But, um yeah, we never we never shy away from confront. I at least I, it, I. It's not that I don't shy away from confrontation. I know where the limit is, and I'm not afraid to, like, say something. Mm-hmm. And even here, when I moved away, and with my dad, which is something that changes the context, changes a lot whether you confront people or not. Sí, total. Demasiado. Pero una de las cosas que me pasó es que yo me mudé a España, and I had I never had a problem just sitting my dad down and saying, "Look, bro, I don't like this, or I do th- like this, or I understand your position here." It was like. You're, you're fucking up look i don't like what you're doing here i love you you're the best but this is wrong how about i help you and we fix this together and and i think he was more surprised than my mom because you know <laughs> he hadn't seen us for a while and he was like oh my god they grew up <laughs> well um like for example for me the confrontational part it's true that was with my sister was all the time anything anything was a reason to pick up a fight the fact that i found one of my shirts in her closet she found one of her shoes in my closet it's like the fact that i did something in her room and i left the shit there even if she could do the same thing and i wouldn't get pissed right so i think really when you have a sibling you develop the ability to come up with confrontation out of absolutely nothing nowhere and that's on one side is true but at the same time it's what i was saying before like with my family i never actually had any fights you know and I feel like nowadays in my relationship that portrays in the sense like every time I feel like someone's mad at me and it happened also with my mom and my dad, I need, I have the urge to fix it. For me, one of the worst feelings I could possibly have is the sense or the, yeah, the perception that a person that I love is either pissed or sad because of me. You know, I need to fix that because I never had that in my family. And for me, that's a obvious sign of instability. 
you know? But on the other hand, in terms of love, my mom and my dad told me that giving love is the outmost way of achieving satisfaction, you know? It's like you give love and you receive love. Like when you love someone, just to f- at least for me, seeing them happy, fulfilled, safe, f- feeling safe because of what you're doing for them is a very good way of finding satisfaction, you know? And I often talk about this with my boyfriend. He says like, because I used to say you need to sacrifice some things when you love. And he's like, yeah, but don't call it sacrifices. You can call it compromises because it doesn't have or to investments. be. investments. Exactly. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. And it's this thing of like, nowadays, I genuinely enjoy just doing something for him or for someone in my family just to let them know that I love them. You know, yeah. and that I'm gonna be there for them, and that for me brings so much peace and ease that I am sure it's a lesson that came from my parents. Awesome, I think it. I have this thing too. It's just weird. Uh, well, a lot of a lot of men have it, which is like I am. I'm I'm very in touch with my emotions. Mm-hmm. I'm not scared to cry, and I am very good at physical contact with people. But it does happen with my family that I feel sometimes that I can't show everything that I mm-hmm. feel. Like sometimes it's like, I want to give you a hug, but I feel like it's weird if I give you a hug because like, why am I showing so much emotion right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it happens a lot. Uh, and I think it's like my my grandfather was really not expressive emotionally with his children uh, from my dad's side. My dad, the opposite. It was like, I need to be super expressive and super... That was the same thing with my dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, at least in me, it, it it didn't predispose me not to be, but it also didn't predispose me to be. It was like, depending on the context, I felt free to share. And you know this, like you get to my house and the first thing I do is hug you, and I hug my friends a lot. But when the situation's very emotionally charged, my first reaction isn't, to go all huggy dubby and, and mm-hmm. it's more the what Eduardo told us the other day that the nice the very mm-hmm. nice you know shoulder uh, you know pat. R- pat or rub it's it, like de-escalating the situation mm-hmm. I think it's also something that I learned from the type of confrontation in my family I think it's rather healthy what we had we we did raise our voices more than I think was necessary but mostly because I think also communication in Latin America is a bit Shouty. High toned. Yeah, high toned. <laughs> like Latins, we we speak. And we when we're in a group, you can hear us from a mile away. And so my house, since it was two floors, my mom would talk to my grandmother from a floor of a difference. So we would shout. I would stay in my room like, "Mom, can you get me this?" And it would always be like, mm-hmm. "Yes," you know. It was no. standard practices. And so when when you got into a shouting match, <laughs> yeah. It, Yeah. Could and that's very common but in my house for example really it was like my dad always let it super clear that no raising the voice up until the point that when breakfast was ready i had to go room by room tell so, like breakfast ready come eat breakfast ready come eat breakfast ready come eat and like um yeah in general come on that was really not something that you saw in my household and it it comes to the point that my sister nowadays you you raise her voice your voice a bit and she's like what the fuck why are you shouting it's like she's she gets mad at you because you're raising your voice and for me it's this thing like when i started with my boyfriend i told him like look this is a, a basic rule there's no shouting no shouting shouting in our relationship no shouting shouting it was so hard to say it what the fuck <laughs> 
But yeah. Uh, yeah. My dad did that later. He said no shouting. And I'm more of a quiet person now. Mm-hmm. But and my mom did too. Like she became a lot less shouty in general. But my brother, my sister, and I, I don't know so much about my little sister, but my brother, my sister, and I are, are pretty much quiet mm-hmm. people. When we, Except when we're having fun. I mean, we don't fight loudly we just talk but one thing that did happen today which was fun uh my sister finished like listening to the pod like she binged the podcast and she called me and like just by coincidence we were recording and she was like oh my god i can't believe like i caught both of you at the same time and she started giving like and i told ariana like my sister is like the best person at giving criticism like Mm -hmm. it doesn't even feel like criticism it feels like like you got compliments but it's weird it's so cool uh and that's like the next thing that we were talking about it was like you know support and criticism is something that your family also kind of gives yeah. you our second dichotomy is that it's like your family can be both your source of as Hosa said support safety and security as much as they can be the hardest critics of whatever you do in your life and the most honest probably exactly because Technically, there's they're the people who love you the most and they want for you to succeed the most. And yeah, I think like, well, you go first and then I'll say. Uh, yeah, well, I, I do have this thing with support and criticism. A lot of it I did learn from UN, like techniques on how to criticize people in a way that won't hurt them is something that you you can learn. But not only the way that you say, but the way that you take criticism is also super, um, you know, indicative of your family uh, i've realized this like talking to my girlfriend that whenever we have a plan she focuses on the plan and i focus on the exceptions how so uh tell me something you could would do in a weekend a date for example let's go a picnic to the park okay awesome the picnic in the park i, I don't start like that generally i'm like oh yeah but remember it's gonna rain and she's I- like but, but and i'm like I'm, I'm not saying i disagree i i, I like the idea but like <laughs> It might rain. Like, what do we do if it rains? <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> and she's always like, but, but why? And I'm, it's like, it's part of this criticism thing where I, I have received criticism so many times in so many different ways that I try to get ahead of it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very careful when I plan my things sometimes. Probably not the most healthy thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's really funny because whenever I do these kinds of things, my family is, my family is the, like, they're the first to stop and say like, hey, it's gonna be fine and then i forget about it and then they're like i was like you did this wrong <laughs> and i'm like shoot uh, and also like, when we were speaking with carmen um Jose was saying like how easy it is for him to find faults and arguments yeah and then she was like yeah stopping so annoying dude it was like i mean you're super smart and everything but nobody like not everybody needs to know about every little fault that you find in everybody's words <laughs> yeah because I'm, I'm very good at poking holes in arguments it's uh it's 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 fun it's just fun and it's it's useful too and so with my family it's really fun because when i was little i was really good at inventing things and so I would read stuff or I would, I, I was the kind of child that would watch the discovery channel all day and like learn a lot of stuff. But like you're a child, you don't, it doesn't imprint properly in your brain or it's an exaggerated detail of something mm-hmm. and you take it as a fact. And so they would be talking about something and I would give a long winded explanation for like 15 minutes about something that I had no idea about. And they started <laughs> calling me Harvard university of Jose. Whenever, I, you know, where do I find that at Harvard university of Jose? And I was like, Oh my God. And then I actually developed the ability to 
you know properly give criticism properly give criticism when people were saying things that uh were not truthful and so i kind of flipped it and now they're like oh it's annoying i'm like you did it to me for years <laughs> and it's not uh, an integrated part of who i am but like suffer because <laughs> like yeah yeah you have learned to manage it a bit better yeah i believe i think so it's very interesting because i feel the complete opposite way it's like I don't know if I did not receive enough criticism when I was younger or something, but I cannot deal with it. Really? It's super hard. When people give me feedback about the podcast and I, you know, every time this happens, it's like I receive feedback. I arrived to this house and I'm like, I said, this person told me this, this, this and that. We should do this, this, this and that. But when I yeah. listen to it, I feel like shit. I've always I've always had this feeling whenever you told me about feedback, like it's dire for you. It's like, oh my god, and it's like for me, it's like, oh yeah, sure. No, no, horrible. I mean, it's not like Peterson talks a lot about this, which is the the ability we have to, to stop ask, quoting Peterson. I can't. <laughs> we have to. It has it's to stop. useful <laughs> insight. What am I gonna do? Fair enough. Go ahead. Uh, it's uh, I mean, having the ability to ask stupid questions. Okay, but what does that have to do? If you ask a stupid question, you're probably going to get criticized for it. But I will, it, we've talked about this. It's like you ha you ask the stupid <sighs> question once, and then after that, you learn, and you don't like you don't have to ask the stupid question again. You're gonna have to ask other stupid questions, then you're gonna be smarter. <laughs> but that it's fine. Like that, I agree. I understand because I know I made my therapy. It's like yeah, that's for my own personal growth. When somebody tells me something about the podcast, it's like, shit, I'm fucking up. <laughs> hey, come on. I'm losing my time. I'm doing everything wrong. Nobody likes what I do. That's what I, that's what's going on in my head. I don't know if I have become more robust emotionally for, and I think I know exactly why. Football. For sure. Okay. Because I had a hard time. Okay. Like, I, I was the kind of guy that they would explain an exercise, and I would ask four times, like, but I didn't <laughs> and i got to a point where i i wasn't scared of asking anymore and i got better at it mm -hmm. and they would criticize me like I, one of the most humbling experiences i've ever had is being a goalkeeper because they will always score a goal mm -hmm. and it's always going to be your fault even if it's not it's always going to be your fault because you're the goalkeeper and you take it really to heart and i think that it's happened to me so times that i've gotten I've had more than one goal. Like I've had a terrible mistake that mm -hmm. ended in a goal. And then I've had five goals scored in me and I've survived that criticism. I don't take it emotionally anymore unless it's emotional criticism. Okay. Like if it's, if, if my girlfriend is saying, Hey, you have this really toxic thing that you do whenever we have this. And I really don't like that about you. And I think that we should talk about, like you should talk to with a, with a psychologist about this, <laughs> which actually has never happened. But <laughs> You're yeah. hypothetical so hypothetical so i was scared i was like jesus what, yeah, what is this discovery hey, what's going on no, no. I, like actually i don't think i've ever had a conversation that like my girlfriend is i don't she think she's just capable she would of never raise her voice like that come no. on get like so angry i cannot uh, picture her like that no no she she the, the the most angry she's ever been at me is because i was drunk later we found out i was being i, I had been spiked but as I, i was like really really drunk and the police almost like you know i almost had a problem with the police because Basically, I peed in the street. And But how is it? You told me about it, that you yeah, got yeah, spiked. Yeah. I, my drink got spiked. I drank one gin you? and tonic at, at a discotheque here in Madrid. Because like my boyfriend's been a bit paranoid about it lately. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. he should be. I don't drink in discos anymore. Like, and I don't. 
Very drinking dis- I don't drink shit in those places anymore. Uh, no, and I had a really awful time. Like I got home, I had to call my dad because I couldn't stop vomiting, and like mm-hmm. it had been like twenty four hours. I'm like, Dad, I haven't gotten better. I don't know what to eat anymore. Mm-hmm. And pro tip: if you're nauseous, rice with Parmesan cheese. You have no idea. You have no clue. <laughs> it settles your freaking stomach yes. like nothing else. Who would have thought? I, I thought you were going to say like plain rice and plain chicken. No, no, no. Rice and Parmesan cheese. At Can first, it be any cheese or it has to be like, Parmesan? Not Parmesan. Like I, at first I thought <laughs> maybe I have something like a parasite or, or, or my dad knows that like somebody spiked me because at that point we had figured something like that. And maybe at this point it's my dad wanting me to puke on purpose, <laughs> like to clean myself of whatever because it smelled awful. Really? And I was like, I have to trust him. I have to trust him. And, he, and, and he's the kind of person because he's a doctor and he knows about you know the expectations of pain if you expect pain it'll it'll be worse he's the kind of person that uh, he would reset my my uh, my wrist if i ever got it uh, and he would do like this on the count of three one and i'm like ah, oh my god my wrist but if i if i waited for three i it probably would have been worse uh so it's like it's a kind of thing that he would have done like okay. not tell me <laughs> and then i was like oh my god this is gonna kill me and then i ate it and then i got like 90 better and like 10 minutes it was crazy very very interesting yeah so uh, emotional criticism yeah <laughs> if if it's something emotional like that i i do take a step back and and or if it's something i'm really invested in like i'm invested in the podcast and i'm like a podcaster mm-hmm. like I, like i don't know um i don't know jordan peterson comes by and tells me like <laughs> hey bro your broadcast could use some bettering i'm gonna be like oh damn okay But it's not everybody. But it's true. So the thing is, I have a toxic relationship with criticism because on one hand, I understand it's the only thing that's going to make us improve. And I very much appreciate it. Like, I, I want people to tell me what's wrong. And that's why I ask Carmen, like, what's your feedback? I want to know what you think. I want to know what you perceive. And when people also tell me they liked, I don't believe. Really? Like, when it comes to the podcast, it's honestly, for me, it's super hard. Well, we've, we, we were talking about Sorry, we were talking with Karami about this too. That uh, there's a lot of people who are very uh, camera shy, hmm. and so one of the things that comes with camera shyness, and it, it comes even if you are willing to appear in the podcast, is the I never want to believe I'm actually that good. Right? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Or I, that, uh, like, if somebody said, like, "Oh my god, I love the video. I love to see you guys and how you interact, and you have such good." Like, remember what happened with my mom's friends? They're like, they have such a good voice, and I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, <laughs> I have, apparently I have see, a good see. voice." Or, or I like to sing, but mm-hmm. I've never thought of myself as a singer mm-hmm. or a person who has a good singing voice. And my friends have consistently, for the past two years, told me you sing very well, mm-hmm. and I'm like. How? I Who do told not you know. That? No, no, you must be, have the wrong Jose. You cannot be right. Yeah, it's like first, who told you that you should be talking for a full hour? Put yourself on YouTube and expect people to watch you and enjoy for the full hour what you're saying. Like, well, we have established this. I'm emotionally crippled and need the attention. <laughs> I'm kidding, but you know that, what I mean. Yeah, exactly. But it's that. It's like 
everything related to podcasting come on views um yeah feedback like what i perceive the comments whatever it's like really it gets to me and i think we haven't had no negative comments not negative because nobody's no, been no. like yeah you do shit but it's yeah like, we have had nobody come into the comments like you're shit shut up like no we've because had you're not that famous yet <laughs> <laughs> like it'll come at get i guess but my point is like everybody who's even people we don't know have been super kind and just said like uh, yeah i really like what you do I, we like what you're doing oh you could fix this because you know it was really hard to find your podcast or something exactly and yeah and those things was, have that happened and, and i think that we Look, I understand. Gracias, Osvaldo. You see? <laughs> uh, our, our, our support systems can cuddle us too much. And then you become dependent on support. Mm-hmm. And criticism never gets to you properly. Uh-huh. What I was going to get to is that my mom is the teddy bear type of mom. You okay. Know? She's always been super proud of me. She's always been there for me. She's always been impressed by everything I do. Like, academically-wise, my mom has always, like, she's rarely ever has any criticism. My my dad's a different story, but I think I relied more on my mom because it was way more comfortable. Because yeah. she, she was always proud. You like, I mean? if you ever disappointed your mom academically, it was like, damn. Yeah, but my mom could be disappointed with other stuff. Like, let's say she I had a friend she didn't like, she would be the first one to tell me, come on, I don't like the vibe. You know what I mean? With that, she wouldn't be, like, as... exactly but when it came to academic stuff my mom was always like super proud of everything yeah you know and i think i took that for granted like and also my teachers we've talked about this i used to be a very good people pleaser you know didn't get much criticism for that yeah except for my sister who was like what the fuck are you doing with your life you don't know who you are just pleasing people and i would be like shut up you don't know what you're saying that's so (laughs) 10 things i hate about you (laughs) (laughs) but switched around the older sister Um, but yeah, like, and I owe her because she's us. She was absolutely right. Este, so now that now that my mom is not always there and my mom doesn't know everything that's going on, nobody's gonna come and give me that. Only me. Yeah. And me knows that that's not true all the time. Yeah, me knows. Me knows. And <laughs> my boyfriend is actually very harsh with those things. He'll be like, "Yeah, but what about this? You haven't done this." You know that, and like he's always gonna tell me like I'm proud of you, but it's not like my mom that would tell me like a huge paragraph with like a yeah, hundred caps and a yeah. hundred hearts. You know? Nothing like, like unconditional not mom the same love. Thing because honestly, like feedback is good. It's just that I haven't learned how to deal with it, but I love to give it. Toxic trait of mine. It's like yeah, an M U N dude. Amazing oh, speech, M-U-N. but I think you could do this better. It's like who the fuck you think you are? <laughs> like how do you know what a good forty five? I think to myself and like. Why do people listen to you? But but yeah. I have a question. I have a question though, especially at MUN. You've given the perfect speech. Yeah, long time ago, uh, I think. But yes. How how do you know? Well, because you have your own. I don't know. You people loved it. Yeah, people loved it. I loved it. Did everybody tell you like every single person there came no. up to you and said they loved it? Did somebody tell you criticism about your speech? No. Okay, then like. Why don't you apply that to the rest of your life? Like that sense of fulfillment that you know you got the speech down at exactly 45 seconds. You yielded the time perfectly to back to the chair. You said exactly what you need to said. And you say you did everything freaking right. You know that you did it right. So like you can add a little bit of that sense of self-worth into every moment. Of, I think, And I think that's exactly what you're telling me. It's like you've learned that without your mom, you have to find those moments of self-worth in your life. But also, the one thing about MUN is that you have a criteria that you have to fulfill. And you don't have that in life? 
it's not given it's found it's found but for example let's go back podcasting who tells you you're doing it right well it depends part of it is exposure for sure yeah but but like you know for us 100 views is a lot but does that mean we're doing it right or could we doing it better like hmm. there's people who get a thousand views. There's people who get thirty thousand views. There's people who get a, a million views. You I was, know what te- I, mean? I was, yeah, I was teaching my student the other day about multiple cho- choice tests, mm-hmm. and they, I was telling them, look, there's answer B and D. You know, multiple choice tests. You have four options. Two of them are obviously wrong, and you always know this. And there's, then there's like B and D, and B and D are practically the same, and you don't know how to tell them apart. And then you don't know the answer, and it's like you already did the most difficult part. You know what the answer isn't. We know that a podcast isn't, you know, I don't know, bad audio and bad video coupled with bad design and bad advertisement. But do we have a good design? Do we have good audio? Do we have a good video? Do, do we have... I mean? No, no. The question is, do we have bad audio? No, we have good microphones. And they work pretty well. And when we record with proper audio, it feels amazing. Not only that, then do we have good video? I mean, we have as good a video as we can have at the moment. Do we have good advertisement? We bust our asses doing it. Like, are we? Are you doing it right? Are you doing it wrong? If you're not doing it wrong, then you're closer to right Fair than enough. you were the other day. Okay. So it's it's a trick, but then the chances of you being wrong, if there's four options, you discarded the two obvious wrong ones, it's 50-50. Fair enough. But for example, let's say we have a week where we don't post as much in Insta, or I take longer to post the things of the episode. I feel like shit. That's absolutely normal. Yeah, but like super shit. And I, I have this avoiding tendency. It's like, you know, when you do something wrong, you don't want to go back to it because you feel like you're going to do it wrong again. Yeah. Well, that. Yeah, but look, I understand that. But if that was the case, I would have stopped goalkeeping the day that they scored. I think it was 12 goals against me. <laughs> like, I would have. If I've, I've realized something, and I think that the beautiful thing about our podcast isn't so much that we have good conversations because we do we have an ability to converse with each other which is great we are two MUN people that have honestly, this honestly like the bullshit <laughs> yeah it's like we were telling our sister you know we don't know how to we pull this stuff out of our asses every week but we do i think the most beautiful thing about our podcast is that you look down the feed and you're like Oh, this has been an organic growth. It has but, been little by little. It has been recording at the, you know, at Retiro and then, uh, you listening know. Listening to the audio and being like, what the fuck is like, this? We yeah, cannot use this for anything. How many episodes have we recorded that have never come out because they're just unlistenable, you know? Or recording 45 minutes of an episode and being like, oops, a microphone didn't record. Like all of that is shown. And, and I think that's the magic that makes our podcast. And I think I'm going to go into the last thing that we were going to discuss today and our conclusion, which was how present and and absent your family is, how much uh, loneliness you feel after you are older Mm -hmm. because of the, the, you know, the perpetual presence or absence of your family. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have anything to add. I, I, I will say I had this, I had my mom during my adolescent years and I didn't have my dad. And now I have my dad and I don't have my mom and I've had absence of my brothers in different sides of it. And uh, I think it, 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 there's definitely upsides to, to, uh, to having absent parts of your family because you appreciate them more and you learn to value mm-hmm. them, which is what you were saying right now about, you know, missing your mom mm-hmm. in the criticism part and, and, the, and the, you know, the support. But damn, 
if I miss my family more. I mean, every day, you know? Absolutely. And what I have to say about this is that really, I was very lucky with the family that I got in the sense of like, they are extremely loving and extremely present. I have never felt in my life that somebody's not there for me. You know, if it's not my mom, it's my dad. If it's not my dad, it's my sister. If it's not my sister, it's my grandma. If it's not my grandma, it's my cousins. Like, not only is it big, it's good. Yeah. And I think you relate also. That. We yeah, also have big definitely. families, you know? And we also have very good friends. But that's not the case. So that's not the point. <laughs> We're amazing. <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> we are incredible. And yeah, I've, even when I was here, like, I really think that the love that I hold for my grandma is the most pure and genuine form of love and the way that she loves me is something that i i feel like i don't deserve sometimes you know it's like she's gonna take me every morning she's gonna take me every night before i wake up before i go to sleep you know she's gonna ask me if everything is all right on my birthday she came over to just hand in a bouquet of flowers she spent the whole day cooking for me because she knows that i don't have my family here and she wants me to have the best birthday i can possibly have right she's always gonna be the one who's like trying to help me out, paying attention to me, looking at what I need. Really, like, the amount of love that she's able to give me is something that often I cannot comprehend or understand why, you know, like, why. Yeah. And, yeah, in that sense, like, I've always felt like my family is very present. And my fight has actually been, like, how to survive on my own. Yeah, definitely. But I also know a lot of people who... It's been the other way around. It's like perhaps when they were smaller, they feel like their parents were not there as much. And like they had to figure it out on their own. I have very, very good friends that are like twins, you know, and their parents have always been there, but it's been like a complicated situation, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I feel like for them, it's going to be a different thing. like when they grow up, how do you build a family when you grew up feeling like, you had to figure everything out on your own, you know? Uh, well, this is the thing. So the reason why there are dichotomies is because there's no right right answer. You need criticism. You need love. You need support. You need confrontation. You need a present family, but also an absent family. Mm-hmm. You know, you, the, there's a quote that says, every good mother has to fail in the end. Because a mother needs to let her child fail. Mm-hmm. And in some sense, it's a failure. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something intrinsic about who we are as human beings that we have to have this balance. And I think that what makes us who we are is finding your own, choosing your own setting Mm -hmm. in each of those dichotomies. And then later, you create your own set of values. Exactly. And and your your shortcomings. So with yeah, that we so say that we have to remember that nobody gets away with anything thank you very much see we'll you next monday see you next monday bye